Romans chapter 2 is where we're going to be at today. Uh, We'll look at verse 6 through 11. We're going to continue on in these 11 horrible habits that create distance from us and God in this Checkmate series. I'm going to rephrase the Checkmate series just a little bit of why we're talking in chess terminology. The biggest thing that we see is that sometimes we get into a specific situation or circumstance where we feel like the devil has us in his grasp. Amen? Okay, you get to talk back to me this morning. I'm going to try to teach you. I've been trying to teach you this for a couple of months. But amen? Okay, because I can't be the only one in this struggle. There has to be other people in this struggle as well. There's some situations and circumstances that we get into where we think Satan has us in his grip and in his grasp. But let me tell you something. If we look at Jesus Christ, his word, and what it says... He gives us the opportunity to make a move to get out of the devil's grasp. Amen? All right, good deal. I'm glad people are with me this morning. All right. There was a report that came out. I saw this just a little bit ago. I thought it was interesting. The report says that more than three in four Americans believe all religions have some sort of element of truth to it. Think about that this morning, where you're at. Think of all the religions that you know, all the religions that you've studied. Would you say that some religions have elements of truth to it? Now, don't answer it out loud because we don't want you to feel bad if you get this right or wrong. Okay, I've been in church where I've been sitting there and I've started shaking my head when the pastor started to say something. He's like, well, that's not true. And I'm like, anybody see me do that? I'll just put an extra dollar in the plate. Hopefully everything will be okay. All right, I'm the only person that thinks that way. That's okay. Um. Anyway, this study, what I was looking at, it says that 70% of these, these people, okay, so 70% of the 75, did you track there, believe that spiritual experiences are more important than elements of truth. Some people who come to faith, come to Jesus, would say that there is an experience that happens in their life, and this is the element of truth that they claim to, all right? We can know for sure what truth is based off of what God's word says. Amen? Okay, so we can have experience, but our experiences are validated off of what God's word says. True? That's true. So when we look at this and we see that there's some people out there who believe that there's some elements of truth in other religions, if it doesn't talk about Jesus, and if it doesn't talk about how Jesus relates to him being the son of God and how we can know the creator through Christ... It's not true. That's what the Bible says, okay? So before you start throwing stones, read your word. That's what it says. That's not from my opinion. That's from what we know is true about what the Bible says. We look at some people and we realize that people are growing religiously tolerant. Now what that means is there's some people, and let's think about it in your situations and your circumstances. There's some people in your circles who believe specific things And we grow timid telling them that that's a lie because we don't ultimately know if it's true or not based on what the Word of God says, right? There's been situations and circumstances, I guarantee it, that you guys have been involved in and somebody pushes their opinion on the table, true? And you get really kind of cold. You go, man, I don't don't, don't know. I I don't think that's true, but uh, you want a cheeseburger? Right? You look at them, you don't have any idea, you just change subject. You ever been, let's see this, you ever been, show of hands, in a conversation that got spiritual that went 
awkward. Okay? Most of the time, that went awkward because we don't know what the truth is because we haven't spent a proper amount of time in God's Word. If we look at Romans chapter 2, verse 6 through 11, let's read that together. Because the first habit that comes up is often one of those barriers that we have created from knowing God's word properly and being able to respond to those people who are in our circles. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. It says this, he, he being who? Good. Sunday school answer works. All right. He will render to each one according to his works. To those by the patience and well-doing for seeking glory and immorality, excuse me, he will give eternal, uh, immortality, excuse me, not immorality. Man, I knew that. I knew I was going to say that too. He will give eternal life. Verse 8. But for those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Nine. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew and then for the Greek. Ten. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and then the Greek. For God shows no what? I love that word. Circle that word partiality in there. We'll get there in just a second. If you were going to write something down, let's look at the first one. The first habit, which is actually the fourth habit, based off of what we talked about last week. And I'll give you those last three last week. We talked about passing judgment last week, misconceiving who God is, and rejecting repentance. We move into the fourth habit, which means we have stubborn, unrepentant hearts. We have stubborn, unrepentant hearts, is what Paul tells us in 5 and 6. Now, one of you in this congregation is probably elbowing your spouse in the side and saying, Hey, listen, this is going to be your message this morning, okay? Those of you who are elbowing, think about this. It's probably you that need it the most, all right? So we're both in the same boat. We're all here. Paul knows that the religiously tolerant problems that are creeping up in Rome, watch this, were apparent, and the people needed to stop believing everything that they heard and rely on what was biblical truth. Go back to verse 5 and look at this. It says, But because of your hard, and my word says impotent heart, Okay, or we would call it an unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. What's happening here is the religious tolerance, when the people just accepted what everybody else said was true, what happened was they were putting themselves in a state of checkmate because they felt like they couldn't progress because they were confused. Have you ever gotten to a situation in your relationship with God where you feel like you can't move forward because you're confused about what the Word of God says? Come on, who's who's in that boat? I've gotten to that boat. Thank you for your honesty. Because everybody gets to that spot where they feel like they're going to read the Bible this year and they start in Genesis and they get Genesis done and they say, hey, that was a great book of the Bible. And then they get to Leviticus and they go, did God hit his head? Because I don't understand, I'm confused. I want to do what God says, but I'm confused. We get in some of these passages in Romans and we say, wait, Paul, I want to speak truth to my neighbor and to my friend, but I'm confused that I'm going to get the Holy Scriptures mixed up and it's not going to come out the way that you intended it. Amen? 
Watch this. Paul is going to help us here a little bit today. He says, I want you to understand the second habit. I want you to understand who God is. I want you to understand how God works. If we can see God's intentions, then we can see how we can become in this state to where we get to know God better and respond to people properly. So for you guys this morning, listen to me. If you want to respond properly to the people who are in your lives, then you have to know God's word better. To know God's word better means that you listen to what the Holy Spirit says when he's talking. But most of the time we don't hear what the Holy Spirit says because we have stubborn, hard, unrepentant hearts. So God's voice starts to really echo in our head and we choose not to listen. What Paul says here is he says, listen, I want you guys to see how God operates so we can build these better conclusions. You can avoid the trap of the enemy is basically what Paul says. Let's look at this real quick. How your hard heart causes us and causes yourself to be ignorant of God's intentions. Okay, so first let's look at this. The first thing that we see from Paul is he says that we're stubborn. All right, you can go ahead. I'll give you freedom to elbow your spouse right here, okay? All right, everybody has moments of being stubborn, amen? All right, we're all stubborn people. All right, watch this. Stubborn here is translated hard or hardness. And we've definitely stood firm on what we know based off of our worldview. Not necessarily our worldview, but also what is practical. Let me tell you how this works, okay? Because we're going to go back into the experiences. I'm going to kind of walk you through how this works for your life. You will go into a supermarket, okay? Walmart, Meyer, whichever one has the best coupons. All right, and you walk in there, and you will develop a habit of how you go through this store. True or false? Okay, what happens is, if the experience is good, you'll continue to do that time and time and time again. If you have a negative experience, it causes you to focus or to shift on how you function. So you walk into the store... You have a good experience because you go to the deli first and then you go back a couple of rows and you hit up your cereal aisle and you got your kids in there. So they're running around and you're like, I'll get them when we come back. All right. And you have a good experience. So when you go again, right, you do the same thing. Make sense. All right. Let me let me put this in my terms. I like the gym. I love the gym. But what happens is oftentimes most people will walk into a gym. They'll get comfortable on certain machines And they'll refuse to do other machines because those machines make them, anyone? Uncomfortable, uneasy, like, I'm not really sure I want to do that. But most of the time, they don't access those because they don't know how they work. Church, here's what I'm getting at. Most of the time, you don't access Jesus because you're stubborn, or in other words, you don't know how it works. Or it'll make your life a little different than it was before, right? Okay, so when we look at this, Paul says, he says, listen, you Jews who are there, I understand that you want to do the will of God, but I also understand that you refuse to grow because of your stubbornness. But watch this, what Paul says, which I think is awesome, is he says, as time carries on, you cannot validate your own standards, but you have to be consistently doing what is uncomfortable based off the words of the Holy Spirit. So Paul looks at us and he says, there's going to be things that are going to be difficult to handle. 
There's going to be situations that are going to be difficult to manage. If you access something in yourself that needs treatment, access the medicine that will be used to handle the cure. What about the second thing? Because Paul says we have stubborn hearts, but he says we have unrepentant hearts. Well, this is huge too, because Paul says a heart that has yet to repent is stemming from an insecure individual who is not confident in the things of the Lord. So watch this. Most of the time, church, you won't respond to the Lord or you won't repent to what God says because you are insecure with yourself. I'm going to speak. Is it, is it hurt a little bit? It's supposed to hurt a little bit. It's hurt a little bit this week, so welcome it. And then we can be friends. We look at this and we realize that Paul says, if you have not repented of your stubbornness, you're showing your insecurities and you're showing that you're not confident in Christ. If you guys get to a state to where you realize you can't handle something on your own, and you refuse to repent because you're stubborn because you won't let God in, you're showing your insecurities. If you show you're insecure, God says, I already know that. I can help you access me. Okay, so how do I do that? We'll get there in just a second, okay? The biggest thing in that first or in that second thing that you guys wrote down is that the Lord despises a heart that has yet to repent. Let me tell you a story. There's a story of a guy. He's a young man. He's got no money, just out of college. He says, I need an apartment. How many of you guys have ever been in that situation? Let's think about this. How many of you guys remember the first place that you ever lived in? Nobody? No? Okay, I'm on my own. That's fine, whatever. I'm good. I see that hand. All right. You go back, and I want you to think about the first place that you ever lived in. Maybe the first place you ever lived in as a married couple. I remember this. Bethany and I, we lived in this apartment when we first got married. It had two bedrooms in St. Louis, and it was always active, but there was a guy who lived on the top floor, and he had a, um, a chair that massaged his back. You know where I'm getting at here. So every day at like 7 o'clock when our favorite television show was on, we turn on the TV, and the second we turn on TV, never failed, we'd hear this, the walls would start shaking and i'm like what is going on i think about this young man who's out of college and he looks at himself and he says man you know what i need a place to live the guy looks at the young man and uh, he says i know a place it's down you know on the edge of town you go ahead and you access it here's the guy's phone number so he goes ahead and he hits up the guy and he says, this is a great apartment. Looks at the whole apartment. He says, man, this is awesome. He shows him at a specific point of time in the day, though. And he says, well, that's okay. Okay, I'll go ahead and I'll rent it. So he rents out the apartment, a couple hundred bucks a month or whatever. Gets in the apartment, and all of a sudden, at 11 o'clock at night, this train goes ripping through <laughs> his whole entire apartment. So it's, it's like the guy with the electric chair, Okay. So what happens is, is much like what happened to Bethany and I, what happens is the guy gets accustomed to the fact that the train goes by at 11 o'clock and he grows what? He grows used to it. He grows accustomed to the fact that it's going to happen. And what happens is, eventually, over time, he gets to the spot in his life to where we got in the point in our marriage where we couldn't even hear the chair turn on. He couldn't even hear the train go past. 
How many times have we gotten to the place in our Christian walk where we've justified so many of our sins, so many of our insecurities, so many of our shortcomings that we have grown accustomed to blocking out the voice of the Holy Spirit? God speaks so loud to us sometimes. He says, hey, if you could just get rid of this one thing, seriously get rid of this one thing, you've grown so accustomed to the yell of the Lord that you don't even hear his voice anymore. And so we look at it, and Paul tells us that we have grown so stubborn, we've grown so hard, we've chosen not to repent, that what happens is we've failed to hear the voice of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why? Paul says ultimately that if we choose to not repent from our stubbornness, God's wrath is being poured up like a great reservoir when it will be poured out to the people who do not repent. Now, God gives to each person, based off Psalm 62 and Proverbs 24, what he has done. But watch this. We don't believe at Community Gospel Church in a works-based salvation. What Paul is saying is, if you would have read chapter 1 is that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have confessed with your mouth, Romans 10, believed in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, you will be saved. So every righteous act that you do after the point of your salvation is a representation of the grace that you have received. Paul says if you don't have an action and an attitude of producing fruit, if you don't have a life that goes back to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, then he would call you out and say, I don't really think you're a Christian. We were just hearing this story just a little bit ago. We had a small group uh, meeting. Cindy had a small group meeting upstairs, and one of the individuals just went overseas, and uh, he was talking about um, how they went to Haiti, and the pastor, okay, follow me here, the pastor asked anybody in the congregation if they didn't know Jesus. And so what happened, this is so fitting, what happened is he'd, he'd make them stand up in the middle of the congregation, 100 people, and he says, why haven't you accepted Jesus? Is there anything that's stopping you? The boldness and the, the communication from the pastor to that person was, listen, there's urgency here. You have to trust Christ. And not only that, if you trust Christ, your actions and your attitudes will follow and you'll produce fruit. See, God's judging is based off a standard of truth, Romans 2.2. It's impartial, Romans 2.11. And it also has the ability to overcome. So let me help you out just a little bit this morning. You want some help? You okay with that? Okay, let me give you some help. Let's overcome some of this stubbornness that we have inside of us. Now, I'm a work in progress here, okay? So I'm not an expert. I didn't get my degree from seminary in overcoming stubbornness, but I got some stuff that'll help. <clears throat> First thing that we see and overcoming stubbornness. I would list some of these things out. Watch this. It's to first of all follow God's instructions. The first thing that we do in overcoming stubbornness is we follow God's instructions. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 30, verse 8 says, Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but submit to the Lord. Psalm 81 says, If my people listen to me, Israel will follow my ways. How quickly... Would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? In other words, what those passages tell us is that we return to God and we re choose to obey him 
in the way to end stubbornness. Okay, let me give you some practical, tangible applications based off of community gospel and what we offer to you. If you want to have a personal, devotional life and you have no book, I would go into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs gives you 31 chapters, okay? And of those 31 chapters, you can handle those based off the day of the month. So today is what? February? Nobody knows. (laughs) February 17th, okay? So you would read Proverbs what? Okay, there's a good start. When we look at the Proverbs, we would start to understand what those Proverbs say, and we would do what they tell us to do. Second thing is, we have at Community Gospel Church a weekly devotional that goes out. Okay, so this is some questions that are based off of the message, and you have a little bit more of access into what God's Word says. We go deeper into that, you get involved in a small group, which is where the real fellowship of Community Gospel Church happens. Okay, and you get into a group of people in their lives, we have questions based off of the text that go into the small group material. So not only do you just read the word for yourself, you open it up with others, and you have the opportunity to embrace what another person is going through and what you're going through. Well, how do I get involved in a life group? I'm glad that you asked. You can go ahead and you can check that little orange box on the communication card in front of you. All right? We make things easy for you. Say thanks. You're welcome. Okay, access them. Second thing, we have to understand, okay, now this is where my heart really beats for you guys. We have to understand that God doesn't give up on you. Community Gospel Church, can I speak to you just for a minute from the depths of my heart because this is my ministry 101. I deal so much and I love the people who are from bad Christian experiences and beat up by churches who have thrust righteousness on an individual. It's my whole kind of ministry. When somebody walks into my office, the first thing I ask them is, hey, have you ever been wounded by the church or a Christian? I love it. It's just a great opening conversation for me. Then I look at it, and most of the time, people will say yes. Now watch this. If you've had a hard situation or circumstance based off a church or based off another Christian, you need to understand that maybe that person wasn't a proper representation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they failed just like you fail. But you have to understand that God being a just God and a righteous God does not give up on you. Just because a Christian hurt you or a church hurt you or somebody failed you, you have to understand based off God's word that he does not give up on his people and he does not look at us and say there is no hope. He says, man, I believe in you. I believe in you so much. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit the people in the Old Testament longed for. I'm going to put it in your heart. I'm going to put it inside of you because you are my new temple in the New Testament. God believes in you so much that he gives you the Holy Spirit. It's like the song, This Little Light of Mine, right? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, right? Don't let Satan what? Okay, but the other thing is, don't let Satan cover it up. God says, I want you to take this light. Nehemiah chapter 9, I love this verse. It says, but in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you're a gracious and a merciful God. You serve a gracious and a merciful God. Jeremiah chapter 3 says, they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil hearts. He believes in you. Do you realize you worship a God that believes in you? 
Even if you're the most stubborn individual in the whole entire world, and your spouse is whispering that to you right now, there's hope. So watch this. Wives, let me give you tangible applications for this. You have to put some stock into your husbands that there's hope. That God can change hearts. That he can be the leader that Christ wants him to be. Husbands, you have to understand that your spouse is there to support you and strengthen you and take care of you and build you up based off Proverbs 31. Women, if you're listening to this message, I would put Proverbs 31 on the top of your outline this morning. And you need to go back and study that and understand how you can properly biblically support your husband. Don't be stubborn to say, I know what's best for him. Let the word of God speak to you based off of what his word says is best for them. Guys, you want to become more like Christ? Go to the book of Titus. Look at the qualifications for an elder. They're not just qualifications for an elder. Those are the qualifications for a spiritually mature Christian. How can I become more like Christ? I don't follow God's instructions because I fail to read the word. And the word gives me the instruction that's right there in front of me. Let's look at the second thing, our unrepentant hearts. Okay, some of the bad habits that we've done, some of the bad situations and circumstances that have come up. A true unrepentant heart is the one who loves the Lord and will do the following. Now watch this. Repentance means a change in behavior. Matthew chapter 3 says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. A person who's truly repented, given their life up to Christ, will give evidence of a changed life. You ready for assessment time? Okay, I'm going to ask you to do this openly and honestly. Go ahead and grab a pen. We give you one. It's in front of the pew. And I want you to assess three areas of your life. Will you do that with me this morning? I just did this yesterday. I want you to assess three areas of your life. First thing I want you to assess is the media that you put into your eyes. The TV shows that you watch. The movies that you watch. The computer screen that you watch. Okay, we're all about learning here. And as we learn, we realize that an unrepentant heart does not look at the things that do not honor the Lord. Bethany and I, we just um, went through this... Uh, this kind of um, a Google trip, I'm going to call it. And we went back and looked at all the shows from the 80s that are awesome. Okay? Can I get a witness? Like, we, I won't name any of them, but the shows in the 80s were awesome. <laughs> all right? Because one night we were sitting and we were watching TV and we looked at it and we said, these shows are not only not funny, but these shows are talking about things and making comments about things that God detests. And so we went back and we kind of watched a couple shows in the 80s and we were like, this is awesome um, because they are married. Because they have kids from their own marriage. Right? Now you guys look at that and you go, wow, that's really old-fashioned and conservative. Is it or is it godly? Right. So we look at this and we say, listen, I want you to assess the media that you put into your mind and say, is this something that really, truly honors and glorifies the Lord? If it doesn't, okay, watch this. If it doesn't, you shut the TV off. 
And it's not because I look at you and I say, oh, I want you to, to do this specific thing. It's because I want you to have a life of peace and love and joy and patience and understanding. Okay? Maybe for some of you, it's chucking your TV out the window. All right, number two. <clears throat> I would say that you need to assess and evaluate the music that you put into your ears. Okay? The music that you listen to. Now, this is, a, this is a huge one for me. Does it really, truly, ultimately honor and glorify the Lord? Be honest with yourself. Okay? <laughs> awesome. Number three. I would say you not only need to look at the media that you watch and the music that you put in your ears, but I would also say you need to look at the things that force you to conduct yourself in a way that you don't want to conduct yourself. Now, what am I getting at there? This would be your relationships. This is not only the things that you see, but this is also the things that you allow to intake based off of your friendships. You hang out with people who are gossips. You hang out with people who don't love the Lord. Now watch, there's a difference between reaching somebody who, loves the, who needs the Lord and being influenced by somebody who knows the Lord. Overcome that unrepentant heart. Now some of you guys are looking at me right now and you're going, man, Jordan, you're the most conservative person I've ever seen in my life. That's not necessarily true because there are still good things in this world, media-wise and music-wise. But the question always on my mind is, is this the most wholesome thing that's going to bring honor and glory to the Lord? I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves and our own consumption that our unrepentant hearts get to the point to where we become stubborn and we say, this is something that really is going to bring glory and honor to myself and it's going to fill a void that God is genuinely asking to fill. Acts chapter 3, verse 9. Would you go there for just for a second? Go ahead and go to the left. Acts chapter 3, verse 9. This is huge. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, verse 19, excuse me. Watch this, this is awesome. It says, uh, I'm going to backtrack to verse 17, Acts chapter 3, verse 17. It says, now, now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. <laughs> amen. As did also your rulers. Hey, you guys should say amen to that too, okay? But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer and he thus fulfilled. 19, huge word there. Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted. What? That's huge. If you repent, if you turn against your stubborn heart, then your sins will be blotted out. And at that time, don't, finish, don't, don't, don't forget the verse. At that time, the refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Fill me up. Biblical repentance about changing your mind about Jesus Christ, turning to God in faith for salvation, turning from the sin that you have in front of you. This is the definition of repentance. is the one of the results of the genuine faith-based repentance toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to turn from your stubbornness. Okay? Let me give you the last habit. We're only doing two today. Let me give you one more. <clears throat> habit number five. 
This is going to be the biggest culmination for you this Sunday morning as I teach you this morning. Some of the things that cause distance between us and God is our stubbornness and our unrepentant hearts. Another thing that we would look at and see is that uh, it's our inability to raise the bar. Now this is huge for us, okay? Romans chapter 2 verse 7 through 11 speaks to this a little bit. But Paul declares that God gives eternal life to those who are persistent in doing good. Okay, first thing that we see there is that they are persistent in doing good. We would call this truth seekers. These are people who are seeking God's truth. Now what am I getting at here? Paul says that this is somebody who is actively pursuing a well-doing. The Hebrew word means pleasant or joyful, referring to the quality of God's character. All right? Persistent in doing good. Now watch this. Why do we do good? Because Jesus Christ died for? Right. Okay? So actively pursue that which is good, because if we don't, what happens is we get to the place where people look at us and say, I don't see any difference between you and this other guy who I work with or whatever. If your kids look at you and they act a certain way that you don't want them to act, they probably got it from? Right. They got it from you. Hard reality, harsh reality, but it's true. There's so many times when I look at it and I go, oh my word, there's me coming out on the floor. What happened? Right? Stop acting like your mom. But watch this. If I am actively pursuing what is good, I understand that I'm doing ultimately what serves the Lord, and it's an honest quality, and Paul talks about the goodness. So here, let me give you some verses. Romans 15, be filled with goodness. Galatians 5.22, goodness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 5, the fruit of the light is found in all that is good. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11, we pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Well, what does that mean? Let me give you a few things, and then I'm going to wrap it up, okay? <clears throat> First thing is that we are constantly seeking glory. Let me give you just three things real quick. The people in Rome would have understood this because they knew it described the presence of God in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The individual that Paul writing to is the same as us, and he says that he wants us to seek God's glory because it shows God's divine glory in our hearts. I can't illustrate this any other way but Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, this is how... We're going we're to talk about raising the bar just a second, okay? But you've got you to get these things, okay? Seek glory, second thing. Seek honor. Write that down. The granting of honor is to others and essentially an experience in the believer's life based off of the knowledge in their mind. Okay? To honor the Lord means that we take what we know in Scripture and we live it out tangibly in the real world. We honor those people in authority. We honor Christ as the head of the church. We honor our brothers and sisters, as 1 John tells us, because of love. And what ultimately that produces is, let me get to the last thing, is immortality. 
The goal of the Christian life is eternal life. Absolutely. Okay? Without a shadow of a doubt, this is something that comes out of the Old Testament. But what happens here is 2 Timothy 1 speaks to what happens in the Old Testament. Manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, now let me bring it all together. Why is it so hard for us to raise the bar? Think about that just for a second. Why is it so hard for us to raise the bar? Christ sets this huge standard and it changes an entire culture. Why is it so hard for you? I'm asking you a serious question. Why is it so hard for you to raise the bar? I'll tell you. Your stubborn, unrepentant heart. I believe that almost everybody who's sitting here truly desires, has a genuine passion to do what is good. True or false? I believe that people genuinely in their soul want to do what is good. They have a desire and a passion to do what is good. Man, Jordan, I would love to do what you're telling me to do. I would love to watch reruns of Family Ties every night from 7 o'clock to 9 p.m. That would just be awesome. But my wife loves CSI, and if she turns the TV on, she's in a box, and you don't live in my house, so that's not going to happen, right? Now watch this. I'm not, first of all, I'm not telling you to watch Family Ties every night, all right? I'm telling you to do something that honors the Lord. Secondly, stop blaming other people for your own personal shortcomings, okay? You can't sit there and say, the reason that I don't glorify the Lord is because this person and this person and this person and this person. You set the bar high, expect other people to follow, If I look at it and I say, hey, that's not something that is central to my life because it doesn't bring honor and glory to the Lord. You want to follow that? Fine. Go for it. But you understand that I have set a precedence in my life that is going to be awesome. Living Sacrifice Lounge is what we're doing with the guys. I asked them just the other week. I gave them an assignment. I said, here's the three points of this assignment. I want you to go give away something substantial in your life to somebody else. And that's whatever it is. Go ahead. You figure it out give it away. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to give something uh, substantial money-wise away. I don't know what that is for you, but whatever is a substantial amount of money, I want you to give it away. Third thing, I looked at him and I said, you give a substantial amount of of time, you give, uh, excuse me, a a substantial thing, a substantial amount of money, and your time. Raise your hand if you're in the lounge. Raise the bar. I didn't ask these guys if they wanted to do that. I said, listen, this is how you raise the bar to get to know Jesus Christ a little bit better. You eliminate your own stubbornness. God, I don't really feel like giving away money. God, I really don't feel like giving away time. God says, you know what? I didn't really feel like dying on the cross. But I did. So Jesus looks at us. Now, I'm, I'm, bu- I'm tearing you down a little bit. I'll build you up. I promise. I promise, promise, promise. Watch this. He says, listen, those who go away from the, from the Lord will receive trouble and distress. However, those who keep on working, doing good, will have glory and honor. Why do good? First of all, watch this, okay? So as I send you out on assignment this week, why do we do good? First thing is, is because God is good. The guy who died on the cross for your sins, he is good. And that is the reason why we do what is good. All right, if you truly believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, if you've accepted the free gift of salvation, then ultimately it is your responsibility 
to therefore be like Christ and do what is good. Okay, don't tell me you've accepted Jesus Christ. Show me you've accepted Jesus Christ. Don't look at me and say, Jordan, you know what? Kind of did that when I was seven. Okay, so you've had, let's see, let's say you're 30, 30 minus seven. Thank you. 23, you've had 23 years to raise the bar. Now this hits home to me. Because those of you who are spiritually mature Christians, and you've known Jesus Christ for a long time, your bar should be so high. And we're watching, the younger generation is watching, we're looking at you, we're saying, hey, did you raise it up just a little bit every year? Did you put it up just a, just a, a little bit every year? We want to know. We want to see that God is good in how you live. Secondly, <clears throat> why do I do what is good? The works of God are good. I don't know where you're at, but God has moved in my life in an amazing way. He's revealed his attributes of wisdom and power constantly in everything that I do. His objects of his own approval have been so apparent. So a person does good because it shows a heart that has been restored. Here's another assignment for you this week, okay? I know I'm giving you a lot of homework, but that's okay. We should never preach a sermon that doesn't have some sort of attachment to it but it should never take longer than a week to start to live out. Go home, take a piece of paper, put two columns in the piece of paper. Ways that you've seen the Lord on the left, ways that you've seen God work on the left, ways that you've seen yourself work on the right. Okay, evaluate and weigh them out. What has God done in your life that you could not do on your own accord. For me, it's, I mean, my kids are examples of that. There's, there's no way I would have two children without the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? He's provision. He's provided. Stuff like that. Where you live. Look at all of, all the things that you have. Okay? <clears throat> Go ahead. Count your praise. It says it right up on the, the computer in the back in the sound booth. It says count your praise. Go ahead and label those out this week. I want you to look at that. Second thing, practical application, okay? Watch this. Uh, Honor and embrace the Lord and bring glory to his name this week. So this week you have a couple of assignments. I'm going to send you out and I want you to go ahead and I want you to start thinking through some of this stuff. I want you to count your praise, put out a list of the things that God has done. Evaluate your media, okay? What you put in your eyes. Evaluate your music, what you put in your ears. Now again, don't don't use Jordan told me to do this, okay? I want you to genuinely look at these things from the lens of does this really bring honor and glory to the Lord? Get past yourself and your stubborn ways and start to seek out what the Lord tells you to do. Now you need some validation, you need some help with this, go ahead and glance at your spouse real quick. Go ahead, give her a little glance or him a little glance. All right, they'll help you in this process. I guarantee your spouse is a helpmate. They're, they're here to help you build each other up, okay? Sometimes we mistake that, but I guarantee you that your spouse can help you. Those of you who are single, don't worry, I got your back too, all right? Find that person who you sit with at church, and I guarantee you, they'll help you out, okay? And students, your parents will help you out. Amen, mom and dad? Oh, we would love to help you overcome your stubborn, unrepentant heart, Okay? Whew. Pastor Jordan just spoke truth this morning. Good deal. All right. 
Watch this. Now, as you do these things, okay, I'm going to send you out on assignment, all right? I send you like sheep among the wolves. I I agree, all right? There's some things that you're going to face and that you're going to experience because you're evaluating some of these things where people are going to look at you like you're crazy. But watch, see God as completion, not competition. Remember that with Christ, it's possible to overcome the grip that the enemy has on you. Amen? It's possible that you can overcome some of these things. Eliminate some pride. All right? You got some pride issues going on? Make an honest confession to the Lord. It starts out just like an AA meeting, telling God what you already know and what he already knows as well. I'm a very prideful person, Lord. I know. Help me out. Gotcha. See? We look at him and we say, I need some help. Then... When it happens, what I want you to do is I want you to celebrate God's victories by giving your best and seeing his hand in all things. Write it with a bar of soap on your bathroom mirror. Why would I say that? Because that's what my wife does. She always puts the praises from God on her bathroom mirror. It's awesome. I know that I'm going to be looking in that mirror every single day. I'm a prideful person. (laughs) No, I just have to brush my teeth. So we look at this, and we say... There are victories in the Lord. Write it in places where you can see it. This is the most tangible, applicable message from this whole Checkmate series. Because if you live it out, if you don't live it out, then it's worthless. Let me pray for you that you'll be able to do that this week, okay? Father God, thank you so much for your word and how it speaks to us. We know we have stubborn, unrepentant hearts. And we know, ultimately, that we don't raise the bar a little bit. And so the, the people here who are in this congregation may have had some spirit experiences and situations and circumstances and people in their life that maybe were Christians and churches that told them to do stuff. And, you know, it just never really lined up. And so they looked at it and said, I don't really know if all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. And we start to doubt and we start to have some insecurities within ourselves. I would pray this morning that you would give these people a heart and a passion to do what your word says, regardless of the perceptions that they have from other people. And as they go out and they assess their media, the things they look at with their eyes, the things that they hear with their ears, the friendships that they have, that they would count their praise. They would look at it and see your hand in all things. Lord Jesus, we know that there's a society out there and a world out there who has nothing just no resources, no, no things. But Lord Jesus, we know that we've kind of have some distance between us and you, and we need ultimately to eliminate that distance by eliminating the things that we've put in front of you. And so remove our stubborn hearts. And we would ask that you would help us raise the bar just a little bit to live a life that is like Christ. That we would produce the fruits of the Spirit. Church, as you're seated there in your pew, I want you to start praying to the Lord Jesus right now that you would hear his voice about what he is calling you to eliminate. Right now in the Living Sacrifice Lounge with all these guys, we just had a, I just had a conversation with a guy just a second ago, and we were talking about the assignment. The assignment this week in the lounge is to eliminate one thing in your life that causes distance between you and God permanently. We were talking to each other. We're like, what do you think that is? And we said, I don't know. We need to pray to Jesus to reveal it to our hearts. So what is the thing that you're going to do this week that's going to close the gap and close the distance 
between you and Christ, put you back in the game, get you out of checkmate, get you out of the grasp that the devil has, and start seeing the Creator the way that He wants you to see Him. Lord Jesus, help us raise the bar, remove our stubbornness, help us to love you and to seek you in all things. Give us peace that passes all understanding, joy that is not of this world. Give us a desire and a hunger to crave after your word and your will. It's in your name we pray. Amen.